See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I've prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in the bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said we will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Avihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the Lord God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua and his aid, and Moses went up, oh sorry, with Joshua his aid, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. 
When Moses went up the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Let's pray and ask that God would make himself known to us as we uh, reflect on those words. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we ask, Lord, that you would show us your grace again this morning, that as we uh, think about uh, how you met your people in Exodus 24, uh, that you would meet with us, uh, that you would make yourself known to us, uh, that we would... Uh, receive the relationship that you offer to us in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and have our lives and our hearts and all that we are anchored in that. Uh, Lord, we ask it uh, uh, because of your great name's sake uh, through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if anyone here is much into home renovation, but, uh, but kind of judging by the numbers of people who are at Bunnings on a Saturday... Uh, or just about any time actually during the week, I'm guessing that most people probably are to some degree or another and, uh, and there's plenty of shows on, t- on television as well that are all, uh, all about home renovation uh, and it's not hard to see, I think, why people enjoy it. My dad was staying with me last week and uh, while he was here, he decided uh, to do all the jobs that I, I never do uh, and he, one of my windowsills needed, uh, you know, needed a bit of work, it had been damaged by the sun, it had been damaged by water and uh, so he sanded it back and uh, he repainted it and it looks lovely now, it looks, uh, it looks almost brand new. Uh, there's something deeply satisfying uh, about being able to look at something that's worn out, uh, something that needs uh, work and needs care, and uh, being able to restore it and to bring it back, to, to, to make it like new again. Uh, and with some things, it's easy to do that, isn't it? With, with a windowsill, it maybe takes a, a couple of hours, if that. Uh, with a garden bed, you know, you can work in a day and you can make it like new again. You can restore old furniture. With some things, it's easy to kind of strip them back and to start all over again. But with other things, it's hard. With many things in life, it's not that easy. It, you can't just take a few hours and go back to square one again. In our relationships and in life, it's not that easy to start again from scratch. And the message of the Bible is that all of us are in a damaged relationship with God. We're estranged from God. Our world is in a mess because of that. And we need a fresh start. We need to start over again. We need to be able to strip everything back and to begin again. But how do we do that? And that's really what Exodus 24 is all about. It's about God offering his people, offering us a fresh start, a new chance, a new beginning. The section uh, that Jamie read for us comes at the end of a series of commands that God had given to his people. Back in Exodus 19, God comes to his people. He says, I've rescued you. I've brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I brought you to this place so that I can have a special relationship with you. 
And then God speaks to them the Ten Commandments. He, he shows them, he summarizes what it means for them to live in that relationship with him in his world. And then in the chapters after, chapter 20, God spills that out in, in more detail for what it means for them in that time and place. And then at the end of chapter 23, on the tail of all that, God says, if you do all that, if you listen carefully to what I've said, if you don't rebel against me or against my messenger, God says, then God will go with them. He'll look after them and he'll see that they prosper. Uh, He says in verse 25, Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I'll take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I'll give you a full span of life. If you like what God is promising there is he's promising to unwind the effects of the fall. He's promising to unwind the effects of sin if they can unwind the reality of sin in their life, if they can deal with the sin in their life, then God will deal with the consequences of sin in the world. And then in chapter 24, the people, uh, that commitment from God and the commitment uh, from the people is formalized in what the Bible calls a covenant ceremony. So a covenant is an agreement between two parties which is sealed with an oath. It's an oath-bound agreement between two parties. And God and the people here in Exodus 24 make this covenant. They make this oath-bound agreement. God commits to the people and the people commit to God. God makes a commitment to go with the people, to look after them, and the people commit to doing everything that God has commanded them to do in the Ten Commandments uh, and beyond. Moses uh, reads out everything that God has said, and the people say they'll do it. So look at verse 3. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. God says, here is here is uh, the obligation, here's what you're required to do, and the people say, we'll do that. And then that commitment is formalized in this ceremony. The next day Moses gets up, he builds an altar, uh, that represents God, then he sets up 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel, that represents the people, Uh, then they make sacrifices, and Moses sprinkles some of the blood on the altar and some of the rest of the blood uh, on the people, And this is the kind of the way of them formalizing this agreement. Now, that all seems kind of strange to us. Sacrifices, pillars, altars, sprinkling with blood. But what's the point? The point is that it's a kind of a symbolic way of beginning this new relationship. They're committing to each other and that commitment is being symbolized uh, in this ceremony. First, uh, there's this there's sacrifice that puts everything back to square one again. It puts things back to the beginning again. The sacrifice deals with everything that's happened in the past. It provides this clean slate. It provides the new foundation on which this new relationship can be built. In order for this new relationship to take place, there has to be atonement. There has to be forgiveness. There has to be sacrifice. The shedding of blood. Second, then, there's the commitment. God and the people, having gone back to square one, God and the people enter into this relationship of commitment to each other. It's kind of like the relationship they enter is kind of like a marriage where they both commit, they both make promises to each other, 
And that's what God and the people are doing. You see, Exodus 24 is this powerful picture, this profound picture of the possibility of a clean slate with God, of a fresh start and of a new kind of relationship. Of everything in the past being wiped away and of a new kind of relationship with the living God. Well, I wonder if you've ever wanted that kind of fresh start, that kind of fresh beginning. I wonder if you've ever found yourself hoping that you could just wipe out the past and start all over again. You know, maybe you've made a mess uh, of your life. Maybe you've made a mess of the relationships in your life. Maybe you've made a mess of your work. Maybe you've done... There are big things that you've done that you, that you can't undo. You wish that you could turn the clock back. You wish that you could have that day to live all over again. All those years to live all over again. You wish that you hadn't said that or done that. And maybe there's not just one big thing. Maybe there's just actually countless things. Countless little things that all add up and just become overwhelming. And you just wish that you could wipe the slate clean. You wish that you could start with a fresh canvas and paint a new life and a new future. That's exactly what God offers the people here in Exodus 24. All the past swept away and a new relationship beginning today from this day. And that's what God offers us in Jesus too. This side of the coming of Jesus, we don't need an altar, we don't need 12 pillars, and we don't need to be sprinkled with blood of a sacrifice. Because the death of Jesus is what wipes the slate clean for us to begin a new relationship with God, to begin with, from scratch, with a blank canvas, and to paint a new life in relationship with God. We can come to God through Jesus and begin again. And all the past is wiped away and buried in the depths of the sea. And we begin again with a new kind of relationship, not a relationship of hostility and frustration and sin and fractures and difficulty, but a relationship of love and peace and fellowship with God. God offers us a new start and he offers us that in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Exodus 24, God and the people do that. They make this fresh start, but where does that go? What, what kind of uh, things does that lead to? Uh, we already know that God has promised the, uh, to go with the people, to be with them wherever they are. Uh, he's promised to give them everything that they need, to settle them in a land of their own. Uh, free from attacks, free from, from opposition. Uh, but after they make that fresh start through sacrifice and commitment, something really extraordinary happens. And it's almost easy to miss. But in verse 9, Moses and Aaron and his two sons, Nadab and Abihu, together with uh, the 70 elders, the 70 leaders of God's people, they see God. It seems that they didn't maybe see God face to face, 
so much as catching a glimpse of his glory. They see, if you like, the pavement under his feet. And the pavement looks, it looks like it's made out of these blue gems. It looks as bright as the sky. It's a picture of God, if you like, being enthroned above the heavens. It's a, it's a glimpse of his grandeur and his glory. I don't know what the most extraordinary thing that you've ever seen is, but, but try, to, try to picture what that is. Try to picture the most extraordinary thing that you've seen. Maybe it was a beautiful sunset full of rich colours. Or maybe it was, uh, you know, standing at the bottom of a cliff and, and, and looking up and seeing it rising up into the sky. Maybe it was snow settling on, on a forest. Or a star shooting across the, the sky. Or the aurora australis dancing across the sky. Those things are amazing and beautiful and breathtaking and awe-inspiring. But they're nothing compared to the glory of God. They're, in fact, just echoes and shadows of God's glory. They're, just, they're echoes and shadows of God's glory because they're the things that he's made. In them we catch a glimpse of his glory. But to see God face to face, to behold his glory and live, What would that be like? Beyond our wildest imagination, beyond the greatest sunset, the greatest cliff face, the greatest snowflake. But that's what these people experienced, these special people experienced when they entered into this new relationship with God, the slate wiped clean. A new commitment between them and God. And they saw God and lived. But not only do these people see God, they also sit down to eat with him. There's nothing more personal, I think, than being invited to somebody's house and sitting at their table and eating with them and eating with their family. It was one of the things that I was struck by when I was away, to stay in people's homes and to... There's something about breakfast, isn't there? There's something about eating breakfast with a family that you just feel part of it. You feel part of their life. It's, it's, it's not a formal dinner, but it's to be in their home and to be in their life and to live with them. And that's what God here does with these people. He says to these people, these leaders of Israel, come up and come into my house and come into my family and sit down at my table and eat with me. God invites them not just to a meal, but into a relationship where they share life together with the God of heaven and earth. And those promises of seeing the glory of God and sitting down to eat with God in person are not just Exodus 24 things, but they're eternity things. The end of the Bible is, uh, salvation is pictured as a, as a wedding banquet with God where Jesus gathers all those who belong to him, all those who've received and trusted him, he gathers them together into a family meal with the living God. Next week we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper on Sunday. 
And in the Lord's Supper too, we anticipate and look forward to that. We celebrate the new relationship that we have with God if we belong to Jesus. We celebrate the fresh start that we have with God through Jesus' death and resurrection. We celebrate the fact that God has already come to dwell in us through the Holy Spirit. And we look ahead to the day when one day we'll sit down like these people did in Exodus 24 and see God and eat with God as his children and he as our father. So God invites these people uh, into a fresh relationship with him, a new relationship, and he meets them and shows himself to them. But as good as this fresh start in Exodus 24 was, it wasn't enough. We see hints of that. Uh, We've seen how the sacrifices that they that they made on this day were just a shadow pointing forward to the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, We've seen, if you like, how even though some of the leaders got to see God, not everybody did. It was just, uh, you know, 70 plus a few more, 74 people who got to see God. But there's another problem here as well. The problem is with the commitment that the people make. God comes to the people and says, look, here's what you need to do in order to live in a relationship with me. Here's what you need to do in order to be my special people. Uh, You need to love me above everything else. You need to love me with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And the people say, everything that God has said, we'll do. But the problem is that they don't. And it doesn't take actually very long for the whole thing to unwind. In only a few chapters' time in Exodus, we'll see that the people will break one of the commands when they make an idol to represent God in the form of a golden calf, just within a matter of days. The commitment that they make to God is in tatters. God's come to them. He's begun again in this fresh, new, exciting, hopeful relationship. The people have committed to it, but in a few days it falls apart because they can't keep their end of the deal. It can sound uh, so horribly familiar, can't it? God gives us a fresh start and we squander it. And every day we try and we start again. We say to ourselves and we say to God, today, God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. Or we say to God, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to sin in that way. I'm never going to think that. I'm never going to do that. We come to church and we're inspired and we leave and, 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 and we're convinced of our, of our need to pray more and to rely on God more and to read the Bible more. And we say, from now on, it's going to be different. Today is the first day in a life of more prayer and more trust. And barely a day goes by and we stumble and fall. And our best intentions to be committed to God fall to pieces. As good as the fresh start in Exodus 24 was, it wasn't good enough. 
We need more than we can do. We need more than our commitment. We need more than just millions and millions of fresh starts. What we need is a new relationship with God which depends on him 100% and not on us. And later in the Old Testament, that's exactly what God promised through the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. If you have a Bible in front of you, turn with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. A little over halfway through the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31 verse 31. God says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new beginning, a new relationship with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. How will it be different? Well, it won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. It won't be like that one in Exodus 24, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is a covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I'll forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no no more. God will forgive their sins and wickedness. He'll make that clean slate. He'll give them that fresh start. But this time, he won't just write the law on tablets of stone. He'll write them on people's hearts. He'll write them on people's hearts so that they know them and do them. God promises to make a fresh start that depends on his commitment to the people, not on their commitment to him. And when Jesus came, the night before that he was betrayed, he turned to his disciples and said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, he said, my blood is beginning that new relationship, that new relationship with the God of heaven and earth. Jesus' blood became the foundation of a relationship with God that depends not on us, but on God's commitment to us through Jesus Christ. And that blood of Jesus begins a relationship once and for all. It doesn't begin a relationship of millions and millions of fresh starts. It begins a relationship of one new start that lasts forever. One new start in which God commits to us in which God commits to carrying us to the very end. One new start in which God commits not just to leave us as we are, but to transform us to be like Jesus, to put his law in our hearts so that we know him and we love him. So often we think that what we need from God is a new start every day. But what we need from God is one new start and his commitment to get us to the end. As we read Exodus 24, as we read the Bible, as we think about our lives, we need to keep going back to those words in Exodus chapter 19 where God says, I carried you out on eagles' wings. I did it. 
So often we go back to God, we keep going back every day and we say to God, God, I'll do this, God, I'll never do that again. I'll love you with all my heart. I'll get it right from now on. And God says, I carried you out on eagle's wings. I did it. I'll do it. The more we anchor our hope in our commitment to God, the further we fall. The more frustrated we are, the more depressed we are, the more discouraged we are. We find ourselves trapped in a never-ending cycle from which we can never escape. All we can do is come to God with our empty hands and say, God, you've got to do this. You've got to carry me out. You've got to carry me from here to eternity. You've got to carry me in the arms of Jesus because I can't do it. God offers us not millions and millions of new starts, new opportunities to try again, but one new start in Jesus that lasts forever. Well, maybe you're tired of feeling like you're back at square one every day. Maybe you're tired of trying to climb your way up to God. God says to us this morning, come and find your rest in Jesus Christ. Come and find that new start that's in him. And maybe you've already found that new start, but maybe you've got caught up in that treadmill of thinking, of forgetting and thinking that you need to start again every day. Start back at square one. God invites you to come and find your rest in Jesus and to trust in him, to trust in the new relationship in him that lasts forever where he carries us through to eternity. We don't begin again with God and then fail and then begin again the next day. We begin again with God and he picks us up and he carries us through to the end. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, we, uh, we come to you because we want that new relationship with you in Jesus Christ. Uh, Oh Lord, we come to you because we have that new relationship already. And Lord, we thank you for that, for the once and for all forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, our sins nailed to the cross. We bear them no more. And Lord, we thank you that that forgiveness provides a foundation for a new relationship in your family where you have come and made your home in us through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, one day, uh, you will come and make your home with us permanently, visibly, in this world, made new once and for all through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess that so often we're discouraged uh, by the sin that lives uh, in our life. Or Lord, we're tempted to make new commitments and then discover that we can't keep them and we despair and we lose hope but Lord we thank you that you've called us into a relationship through Jesus and that having received him we belong to you Lord help us to trust that help us to live according to that reality today 
for the rest of our lives and for all eternity. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.